morning. As you all make your way into the sanctuary, I just want to say hello, welcome. We are glad to be gathered here together in this place this morning. I am glad to be back with you all. Um, It is a joy to worship together. So as always, let's take a moment. Let's prepare our hearts for worship. Um, We're going to open up with a word of prayer in just a moment. But before we do, I want to read to you from Psalm 105, verses 1 through 4. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. I pray that this morning as you open up your hearts to the Lord, that he would draw near to you in a very real and powerful way, that he would draw near to us as a, as a corporate body, and that we would experience a fresh outpouring of his love and his spirit this morning. Amen? Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we are grateful to be in this place, and we pause this morning Lord, in the midst of a hurried, fast-paced way of life, we pause. We pause before you and we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Make yourself known to us this morning. Make your presence known. I pray, Lord, that we would experience just a fresh outpouring of your love and mercy and grace God, I pray that you would draw near to us, those of us who are carrying heavy burdens and just need to experience your peace and your love and your mercy. Lord, would you do a new thing in and among us here today? And God, we glorify and praise your worthy, holy name. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. And all God's people together said, amen, amen. So remember your peace. 
In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt Praise the Father
Seigneur. This morning in Sunday school, I so appreciated just our pause as we talked about the importance of prayer. Um, and at the beginning, we shared the requests that are on our hearts today. And I just, I don't know about you guys that were there, but I just felt an overwhelming burden for all that's going on in the lives of our people here in our church and just in the lives of those around us in the world. And so, I, you know, I just so appreciated Brian and Trisha's thoughtful efforts to remind us that prayer is important, and we talk about that a lot, and that's great, and we should talk about it. But I also just felt this overwhelming burden. I just kept thinking, I want to be a people that do it. I want to be a people that pray as much as we talk about prayer and as much as we talk about the importance of praying. And there's just a lot going on. It's a little bit of a hectic time. And we, you know, sing words about God and how mighty and holy he is and he is and will forever be. We know that he is more than capable. He, he is more than enough to conquer the things that we are facing in our lives. We, we don't waver on that. There's no, oh, is he going to come through? Oh, is he going to? No, he is, and he will. But I don't want to overlook this overwhelming burden that we feel with just all the things that are going on. And so this morning, I, I just want to push you just a little bit lovingly, and I just want us to be a people who pray this morning. I want to be a people who come together corporately and lift our voices together to God as we cry out for those who are hurting. Because if you were in Sunday school and you were paying attention, and then those of you who will see the prayer request later, there's people around us that are hurting. I sensed it in their voices. I heard it. I felt it. And I know that there's some that weren't even in there to share the ways in which they are hurting. And I just want to be a body of people that they call out for one another and lift one another up together in prayer. And so however you can best do that this morning, I want to invite you to come forward if you feel led to and if you feel challenged to, but I also just want you to pray in a way that's comfortable for you, but I just pray that you would in this moment focus on those burdens that we are lifting up together for our people, for our community, and for our world. Church, let's pray together this morning. Let's boldly approach the throne of God this morning. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning overwhelmed in a sense at all the things that are going on in and around us. Lord, we just recognize that, that times are, are difficult right now and the, the sickness seems to be abounding. Our, our hospital systems are overwhelmed and, and we know the people that work in these places. And God, we just pause this morning to intercede on their behalf. God, I, I pray for those those who are working in the hospitals right now and just are seeing this firsthand how overwhelming it is to try to care for the many, many people that are sick. And we know that, yes, a lot of those are, are sick from COVID-19, but we know too, Lord, that there are a lot of people that are dealing with other issues, but all these things are coming together and it's just making it overwhelming and difficult and and space is small, and, and God, I just pray for those healthcare workers that go home at night, and, and they're not able to leave these burdens at work. They're not able to just turn this off, but instead, Lord, they bring it home. They take it with them everywhere they go, and they're overwhelmed, and they're tired. And so, God, I just pray that you would be with those, those who are, are faithfully showing up every day to care for the sickest of the sick, for those who are caring for their colleagues who are sick, their friends who are sick, their family members who are sick. Lord, I just pray that you would renew them in a supernatural way, in a way that only you can. I pray, God, that you would meet them where they are, 
Help them to rest in, in your presence and in your peace so that they can get up and do it all again tomorrow, knowing that the strength and the power and the peace of God Almighty goes before them. God, we pray for those of us and those that are in our families who are sick. There are so many people who are sick. Our pastors are sick. Our congregations are sick. Our family members are sick. People are preparing to say goodbye to their loved ones. God, we pray for all of those. We may not know all of their names and faces, but we are, are praying to a God who does. You see each and every devastated face. You see each and every heart as it's breaking, and you know them, God, and you long to draw near to them, to give them comfort and peace in such a difficult time. And we pray, God, that you would continue to do that. Draw near to those who are hurting, who are saying goodbye to their loved ones, those who have lost loved ones and still continue to deal with that grief, Lord, draw near to them, be with them. Lord, we heard a cry this morning for our, our kids, our grown kids who are lost. We have a burden for our family members that are not walking in the light of Christ. We have an overwhelming burden for those who we love who are not following in the ways of Jesus, who are lost. It's overwhelming at times. Lord, many of us feel like we, we did all the right things. I did all the right things in order to, to raise my child up in the way that I should. And it's devastating and heartbreaking when we see our children walk away from you. God, that is, that is a special burden that only you know how to address. Only you know how to draw near to those who are resisting your love and mercy and grace. But God, if there's one thing we know, we know that you never stop pursuing. We know that you never stop reaching. You never stop chasing us down with your overwhelming love. And so, Lord, for those who are feeling heartbroken and devastated at their children that are not walking in the ways of Jesus, we remind them, Lord, that they're not too far gone. And I pray, God, that that would comfort them. Help them to not grow weary. Help them to keep showing up and loving their family members in the way that they know how through the power and love of Jesus that keeps them going. Lord, we pray for those that are lost that, that you would make yourself known to them. Those who are struggling, those who are questioning, those who are full of doubts, who, who just don't know this Jesus anymore that they thought they knew. God, you know how to show up for them. You know how to give them what it is they're searching for. And I just pray, God, that you would do that in such a real way that they can't deny you. That even though they may not have it all figured out, that they sense their overwhelming need for you. I pray that their searching would end with you, Lord Jesus. God, this morning we pray for our children who are returning to school this week. We pray for our teachers and school administrators who are returning to school this week. Lord, we pray that you would be with them, that you would go before them. God, we pray for our, our children and our teens and our young adults to be the shining light of Jesus in their schools. Help them to, to love their classmates and their teachers as themselves. Help them, Lord, to share the love of Jesus with their friends. Help the teachers, Lord, to be able to attend to the children in these difficult times. We hoped, Lord, that things would be a little bit more normal than they were last year. And, and even though we're not exactly where we would like to be, Lord, we know that you go before. You make a way. We just pray that you would be with all of those that are returning to school. Help them to go boldly. 
Lord, this morning our hearts are, are heavy with burdens for our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. There are places in the world that are in crisis. And we don't forget them this morning. Lord, you only know exactly the situation that's going on in places like Afghanistan and Lebanon. And you see the devastation and destruction in places like Haiti. God, it's overwhelming. If we're honest, it feels like too much. It feels like there's nothing we can do and we just feel helpless. There's so much that we want to do and yet so much that we aren't able to do. But God, may we rest in confidence this morning knowing that what we're doing now is how we can show up for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. We can pray for them and intercede for them. We pray, Lord, that you would draw near to these towns and these communities that are in these places. Help them, Lord, to pick up the pieces of the devastation that is all around them and the chaos that it's unfolding. God, may you somehow still be glorified in the midst of the chaos in the world. We know that you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You pick up the pieces and you take the ashes and you turn it into something good and beautiful that is redeeming and speaks to the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. And so God, we pray that in the midst of all of this that is happening in the world, that that's what you would do that people would see you in the midst of it all. Lord, we thank you for hearing us and seeing us this morning. Lord Jesus, would you speak an encouraging word to our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you come and comfort us? We surrender. We're tired, we're weak and weary. We lay ourselves before you, God, and we let you meet us right where we are. And we thank you, Lord, for the strength that you will give us that keeps us going. And that we can boast in our weaknesses because we know that it glorifies your strength. Thank you, God, for hearing your people and our cries this morning. Help us, Lord, to not stop interceding for those around us that are hurting. Lord, I pray that we would remember to pause frequently and pray for those around us. Let us not just be a people who talk about prayer, but let us be people who truly do pray and intercede for others. God, we give you the glory and the power and the praise forever and ever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you all for your prayers and for just spending those moments praying this morning. That is the important thing about why we're here. And I'm fully confident that what we just did is, is even more important than what we're about to do. And I just pray that God would continue to use us to be the light that this broken, dark, hurting world needs. So as we just continue to think on these things, that, that really does go well with this 
idea of neighboring and, and the art of neighboring, which is what we've been talking about for nine weeks. So today we are on week nine, the final week of this series, The Art of Neighboring. And I just want to say um, thank you to so many of you who have reached out and just engaged um, in dialogue with me over these past nine weeks. I feel like I've just heard such encouraging stories from you guys, and you have reached out and just shared what God is speaking to you. And I say thanks be to God. I really do because it's just a reminder and affirmation for me that God has been in this series and he is working in your neighborhoods. And I know he was already working in them far before, long before this series, but thank you for sharing with me how God is continuing to um, guide you and encourage you as we talk about these things. This series began nine weeks ago with uh, this passage in Luke chapter 10 that we are actually going to look at again today to wrap up this whole series. However, we are going to look at it in a completely different way. Nine weeks ago, we looked at this passage, and if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, we're in Luke chapter 10, or you can pull it up on your phone, and I encourage you to do that because we won't be reading the entire story this morning or the entire um, passage of the Good Samaritan. Instead, we're just focusing on those last two verses, 36 and 37, but so that you can refer to it, feel free to pull that up or open up your Bibles or look at your Bible app. But, but this series began nine weeks ago with this same passage. When, when Jesus, in response to, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is also important. Just as important, you must love your neighbor as yourself. And we looked at this nine weeks ago knowing, and I've kind of tried to say this every week, we know and understand that when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he was not referring only to our literal neighbors. We know that that word means so much more than only those who live next door to you, right? We, we've talked about that, and we know that, and we understand that. However... We also talked about that thinking about neighbor in such a broad sense can help us or, or cause us to miss opportunities to be intentional with those who are in our local context and neighborhoods. It's really easy when reading this passage to only be looking for the beaten enemy who's laying half dead on the side of the road. And like I said, we, I don't know about you, but I don't see those very often or ever. And so who do we look for in the meantime? And so we've talked about this idea of neighboring in terms of those who are close to you, those who are your next door neighbors. In effort to be more intentional in our efforts to get to know our neighbors, I gave you this block map at the beginning of the series, and I think there's still some in the foyer if you want to take one home with you today. And that block map had your house and the neighbor's houses that live around you. And just to remind you, that was to help you be intentional. That wasn't to guilt you or shame you if you don't know your neighbor's names or their stories, but it was instead just to serve as a reminder for you. And you can hang it on your fridge and it helps you to just simply pray for your neighbors. It helps you to remember to be present and available to your neighbors. Because here's the thing, I don't think any one of us can sit here today and say that it's a bad thing to be in community with our neighbors. I think we can all agree that this is a beautiful thing when we can be in community with one another, right? We need one another. We are better together, right? We'll talk more about that next week, actually. But it's not a bad thing when a community, when a neighborhood comes together and works together. At the end of the day, we all have a deep desire to be seen and known, right? You have a desire to be seen and known, and I'm here to remind you that friends, your neighbors have a desire to be seen and known. Throughout this series, we have talked about a lot of things and we have addressed a lot of challenges. I don't want to draw this out forever and ever, but just to quickly remind you of some of those things that, that we've addressed, some of those challenges that keep us from better connecting with our neighbors or being more intentional with our neighbors. We've talked about how time and the lack of time gets in the way of us being intentional with knowing our neighbors. We've talked about the importance of evaluating our priorities and why we don't seem to make time 
time for the things that really matter and the things that are important. We've talked about how fear keeps us living disconnected and isolated. And the enemy uses fear to keep us living in our own sacred spaces, never wanting to branch out and talk to or or learn more about those around us. We've talked about the challenge that neighboring can be messy. It can be messy, and Jesus got himself into some messes by dining with people and opening up his table to people who the religious elite said, you shouldn't be hanging out with those people. And sometimes it's messy as we open up our tables to our neighbors and understand that they don't live the same way that we live, but that we should still open up our tables and eat with them and and spend time with them like Jesus did. We talked about how our motives matter and that in, in seeking to better know our neighbors, we ought to be authentic. And we're not here to just deliver them some cheesy evangelistic sales pitch, but we want to be there for them. We want to do life with them. We want to be faithful and show up for them time and time again, whether they darken the doors of our church or not. We've talked about how it's difficult to live at peace with your annoying, uh, difficult neighbors, and it's hard to, to always live at peace with them. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, reminded us, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. And we talked about how as people of God, we are to always take the first step toward peace and reconcilia- reconciliation with everyone. And so you see, even though as this series is coming to a close, I want you to understand that neighboring in the way that Jesus commands in Luke chapter 10, this is a journey that doesn't end. This is not a journey that ends with this series, that even though we're going to close the book on this summer series, I hope you still think about these things. I hope you still put these things into practice that we've talked about. Because this is a journey that doesn't end. And also, by the way, this is not a journey that neither ends nor begins with your literal neighbors, as we've said. Are there missed opportunities in your neighborhoods? Yes. Are there great opportunities available in your neighborhoods? Yes, absolutely. But it doesn't end or stop there. In Luke 10, 36 through 37, Jesus says this. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. That's it. Go and do likewise. You can go home now. Just go and do likewise, like Jesus said, right? No, but really, a few months ago, do you remember when we preached several months ago on the Great Commission? Don't get confused. We're talking about the greatest commandment. But do you remember several months ago, or it feels like several months ago, we preached on the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And we talked about how that word go actually means as you are going, as you are journeying, as you are going, make disciples. And so we recognize this word go in in verse 37 that the same idea is implied. As you are going, as you are journeying, as you are going, draw near. Lean in. Have compassion and mercy on those near you. That's essentially what Jesus is saying in a nutshell. And while talking about what words mean, let's go ahead and talk about what that word neighbor means. Do you want to know why when you hear the word neighbor, we tend to think about first our literal neighbors that live next door to us? It's because in the Greek, if you look at the Greek word for neighbor, that Greek word is plesion, and it means those who are close by, those who are near you, or fellow person. And so while, yes, it doesn't just mean your literal neighbor who lives next door to you, we understand that our neighbor, your neighbor, my neighbor, are those who are near me, those in my locality, those in my vicinity. This word, place you on, when Jesus said, love your neighbor, or which one was a neighbor, it would have prompted the hearers of this message to to imagine and think about people who lived and worked in their towns or villages. They wouldn't have heard this message and thought, okay, who lives next door to me? I'm 32, so who's 30 and who's 34? They wouldn't have thought about it like this. The, The hearers of this original message would have thought about the people that they see in their towns 
or their villages. They would have thought about the people that they see at their local market. They would have thought about people who they see on their way to the temple or as they're journeying to and from town. They would have thought about the people that they see at the well. They would have thought about people they see as they're walking down the road, just like this good Samaritan. Do you think that the man that's laying there half dead was the Samaritan's neighbor? No. In fact, it could have likely been a Jewish man that was lying there, and so it would have actually been a sworn enemy of the Samaritan, and they would have lived far, far away from each other. But in that moment, that's who was near him. That's who was in his vicinity. That was his fellow person, fellow man in that moment who needed someone to have mercy and compassion on him. He had the eyes to see him and the heart that was willing to help him. Again, which of these was a neighbor to the man? The one who was near and had mercy or compassion. You see, the challenge for us, church, as we close this series, as we seek to live as people who obey the greatest commandment, the challenge for us, for you and I, is as we go, as we journey, as we go throughout this crazy journey called life, See people, notice people, have mercy on them, be ready to extend grace and compassion to those near you. Notice those along the way who, yes, are in your neighborhoods. Stop in and notice those who are also, though, at your gyms. Notice those who are checking out your groceries at the grocery store. Notice your coworkers. I guarantee you, those of you who, who go every day to a place, to a workplace, there are people around you that are hurting, that are broken, and that just feel invisible like nobody sees them. Notice them. See them. Those of you who are going back to school, several of you are either starting school or going back to school this week. There's going to be classmates, you guys, who, who are... are lost and who are wandering and who are trying to figure out this thing called life and they're trying to figure out what they believe and where there's hope you guys can be the hope and the light for them but you have to see them you have to have the eyes to see them as you go as you journey pause and ask questions like who and what is around me who and what is here and see people where they are. Ask the Holy Spirit to awaken your heart and open your eyes when you go into the gym, when you go into your workplace, when you go into the grocery store, when you're walking in your neighborhood, when you go into the coffee shop, when you're going to pick up your clothes at the laundromat. Ask the Holy Spirit to awaken your heart and open your eyes to really see the people that are around you and then be faithfully present to those who are around you, those who are near you in your communities and in your neighborhoods. This is what it looks like for us to be neighbor, to be near, and to love our neighbor as ourself. But here's where it gets challenging. You might think, oh, that's great, and, and she's kind of preaching something that we've already heard said over and over again, and this is not new information to me, and I, I respect that, I see that, I understand that, but here's where it gets challenging. You see, for quite some time now, I've carried this incredible burden for the church, and I'm not alone in this, I'm not the one that's discovered this or, or been awakened first to this. But I have been carrying a burden for quite some time when it comes to the church, a big C church, and when it comes to the church realizing the context in which we now live during this day, on this day, in this time. And I'm, I have this incredible burden as I look around and I notice that gone are the days when all of this was familiar, those familiar days where people just came to church with you. You know, those, those days when people just came to church when they wanted to find God. You didn't really have to engage with them in, in the coffee shops or in the grocery stores or in your neighborhoods because if they wanted to find God, they would come to church. And they often did. You would tell them, hey, come to my church. It was a, we built it and they came. That's what it was. But I carry this burden that 
those days are, I don't know if they're like dead and gone, like sealed and shut, but they're at least way behind us. And they don't seem to be any, this is all unfamiliar territory that we're in at this time. While I was reading this book, The Art of Neighboring, as I was just kind of bringing these thoughts and ideas to you that were presented in this book, I also found myself reading another book. I never read two books at one time, but somehow I did. And I found myself reading this book called Subterranean, Why the Future of the Church is Rootedness by Dan White Jr. And I am so grateful that these two books collided because... They both spoke to the same thing in, in different ways. One was more practical and one was just more, well, there was, it was pretty practical too, but they both just really complemented each other really well. And I'd love to quote this whole book to you. In fact, I encourage you to, to get it and read it if you're interested, but, but I do want to share some things with you that, that the author of this book, Subterranean, Dan White Jr., he says. One of the things he says is, speaking kind of to this idea that we're no longer in familiar territory with the church when it comes to the church. He says things like, the kingdom of God invites us to faithfully submerge into a place. And he talks about how the church, big C, the church doesn't start anymore with a Sunday service and a list of attractive programs. Just let that one go in really easily and carefully. Just take small sips when you think about that. But instead, he argues that the church starts with the neighborhood. The church starts with community. It's neighborhood first, community first, then church. He says church starts with being present with our neighbors at the intersections of our everyday lives. And when we separate church from neighbor or church from community or church from neighborhood context, there's a problem. There's a problem when we treat these two things as separate when really they are one. He says the things that once defined the church. This is hard. This is uncomfortable because these are the things that we were comfortable with that defined the church. The worship services. Oh, we have a great worship service. Our pastor is just a dynamic preacher. Obviously, this is, we're talking way back, not, not present day. Uh, not a dynamic preacher, and, and we have the best coffee in town, and the best children's program, and the best youth program, and we've got a lot to offer you, so you should come. The things that once defined the church, the worship service, the programs, they come organically out of our lives that are rooted in and among our neighbors and our community. It's not the other way around. And I have yet to master this completely. <laughs> this is something I work on, something that I'm challenged with. But I also, as I was thinking about this this week, I thought, when in my life has this worked and have I seen how this plays out? Like, what does this actually look like? And I thought about several years ago, kind of one of those sweet spots in my life was, was when my children were at home, when they were young enough, they, before they were at went to school, they were at home. I was a part-time youth pastor, so... I mean, there really is no part-time youth pastor, but, you know, I was at home a lot more than I was at the office. And, and it was just a sweet phase of life where I, I had a set routine and a set schedule. And, and that's not for everyone, but when I had kiddos at home and when I has had this crazy part-time, full-time job, I had to be very intentional about how I spent my time. So oftentimes I had a very set schedule and I would go to the same places at the same time every week and it was just very routine. And I thought back to that time in my life and just how sweet it was because I thought it was actually quite sacred because I would go to the same place and notice the same people day in, day out, week in and week out. And my neighbors began, I began to see my neighbors, not just those who lived next door to me, but I began to notice the, the barista at Starbucks. And I began to really notice the, the person that I saw working and stocking the shelves every week at Kroger. And so when I would go to Starbucks on Monday morning at 8.30 a.m., which was in the Target, which is not, no one's mad about that, but I would go into the Starbucks and, and I wouldn't just be getting coffee, but I would be talking to my friend Andrea, who just happened to be making my coffee. And we would just talk about anything and everything. We would just talk about life. And then I would head on over to, to a clothing consignment shop that I would frequent, and I would talk to my friend Megan. She was no longer just the cashier that worked there, that, that checked in my clothes and, and put my clothes out, but she was my friend. 
And we talked about the, the political landscape and how challenging it was. And she would ask questions, and I was terrified to answer them. But we just kind of conversed about what was happening all around us. And then I would go to Kroger. At 9 a.m. every Monday morning, I'd go to Kroger, and I would see Chris, who always had to snarky, in a snarky way, comment about my giant cup of coffee. Like, he's never seen one before. And like, why do you always have to have that giant cup of coffee every time you come into Kroger? And before long, that was just Chris, who works at Kroger. And I would say hi to him and ask him how his week was. And, and he would say hi to Jonah. And Jonah would, you know, snarl at him because he wasn't social. And, and that's just what we did. That's what we did every week. Chris was my friend who worked at Kroger. And then after a while, I would notice Mona. Mona was a lady who walked up and down the street because she didn't have a car. And she was just at a phase in life where she was working, trying to save up for a car. And I just happened to be driving one. And I saw her all the time. I mean, she was in my local context walking all the time. I recognized her. She was always walking, always had a bunch of stuff with her. And one day it was like, you know, 110 degrees outside, central Arkansas. This is normal. And, and, and I just thought, man, she's got to be really hot. And so I just pulled over and said, hey, could I take you somewhere? Is there a place that I can, you know, drive you to? Because it's just so hot. And finally, she, you know, she said yes, and she got in, and we ended up exchanging phone numbers. And I just said, hey, I come to the church every day. It's right in the middle of town. It's a, you know, pretty easy to get to everywhere you need to go in town. So just text me anytime you need a ride, and, and I'm always right here. So I can easily take you where you need to go. And she did. But that was my friend Mona, who didn't happen to have a car and was just trying to make ends meet the way she knew how. But she became my friend and I could go on, but, but the point that I'm trying to make is once I was intentional and asked the Lord, show me who's around me. Help me to open up my eyes to who and what is around me. And I began to notice that there were several opportunities to connect with people around me. And in those relationships, I had several opportunities to share my faith and my love of Jesus and the love of Jesus. Thanks be to God with these people the challenge for us, church, is to notice those nearby. Notice those who are in your communities, those who live on your streets, who work in your neighborhoods. Begin to take an interest in them and be present with a purpose. Let's move away from this, this mindset where we just, you know, mindlessly move throughout our day without thinking about anyone else except for what we have to do. Let's normalize pausing and seeing people where they are and allowing the Lord to help us to be present with a purpose right where we are in that moment. Help us, God, to root ourselves in the lives and stories of those around us, letting Christ work in and through us. So as we end this series today, as we notice Jesus' final words in this passage, the challenge is for us to open ourselves up to them. Go and do likewise. Go and do this. Be willing to notice and love and serve, yes, even your worst enemy. But in the meantime, be available and present to all others who are near you. The challenge is for us to be to serve, to love. The challenge is for us to live out this theology that we hold so dear. Uh, so often I, I see us uh, Christians, we are so protective of this theology that we know and love and we hold it so dear and it's so protected and we're so incredibly frustrated when people challenge our theology and challenge what we believe and don't share our beliefs. And I think the challenge for us needs to be to live out this theology, to take notice of those who are around you, draw near to those who are around you, Root yourselves in the lives and stories of your neighbor, those around you, by living out the mercy and compassion that Jesus himself first demonstrated. As Dan White Jr. says, he said, before Jesus died on a cross, he was present in a neighborhood. It was a way in which God forever modeled for us to just be where we are. Jesus, after all, was the first one to help me 
who I identify with the the beaten, half-dead, naked, broken, overtaken by sin person that I once was, laying there half-dead on the side of the road, and Jesus found me, and he saw me, and he drew near to me, and he picked me up, and he cared for me. He provided what I needed to get better, and he he redeemed me and changed me. He was the first one to do this. And time and time again, we see Jesus do this throughout Scripture, where his mercy and his compassion, it was seen as scandalous. It was, it was a little bit reckless sometimes. And all as a result of him just being, loving, living, and serving right where he was. Seeing people where they were and rooting himself in their stories. God has always been rooted locally. God has always been present to those around him. From the very first pages of this book to the end, seen most clearly in the incarnation of Jesus. And as a response to what Jesus has done for us, we ought to model this each and every day, being incarnationally present to those around us. So go and do this. Go and do likewise. As we continue to seek to live as people who obey the greatest commandment that Jesus has given us, the challenge for us is to go. As you go, as you notice, lean in, be faithfully and wholly present, and extend compassion and mercy on those near you. I'm going to invite the praise team to come at this time and And I just want to remind us that this challenge is not just for us individually, but this challenge is is for us as a faith community as well. The challenge is not just for me, Nicole, but the challenge is also for us, BFCN, church, a faith community that doesn't just have a sign out front by the road, but is faithfully present in our city, in our community, in our neighborhood. And my prayer, and I hope that this will be your prayer too, I'm not praying that we're the biggest, best, most impressive church on the block. That's not my prayer for us. But my prayer instead is that this church would, instead of being the biggest and best on the block, that we would be the most readily available and accessible on our block. People know. I can count on those people at that church, whatever it's called. I may not know the name of it, but I know that those people, they'll be there for me. I can count on them. My prayer for us as a faith community is that we would be in St. not just in St. Clair County, but for and present for St. Clair County. My prayer is that we would not just be a faith community that's in Belleville, but that we would be a faith community that is present and for Belleville. My prayer is that we would not just be a church that's on Lake Christine Drive, but in and and present and for Lake Christine Drive. My prayer for us is that we can truly bloom and be fruitful where we've been planted and that we would be present with a purpose. And I just want to remind you that you've had so many opportunities to do that. Long before I was here, and I'm sure long after I'm gone, there will always be opportunities where you take advantage and you do that. Uh, Just recently, though, remember that we're making efforts to get to know our neighbors by hosting a, a kind of a meet and greet with our neighbors across the street at the apartment complex. We want to know them, and, and we got to know them. We heard their stories. We, we see them. They're no longer just the people that live in that apartment complex, but we, we know their names. We know what they do for a living, and, and they now know who we are, not just that church, but those are people that, that really care. We got to do that at VBS where, you know, we didn't have like the world's biggest VBS crowd, but we had families show up and we were able to make meaningful connections with them. We were able to meet new families who live close by and, and we were able to have meaningful conversations with them. And just this week, we, we hosted a funeral here. There's a lot of you that probably don't know, but it was a young man that used to attend here when he was a teen and his mom tragically died. And they needed a place to have a funeral. And he knew he could call BFC in. 
And he knew that he could have his mom's funeral at BFCN. And they did. And it was just this beautiful opportunity for us to just be present with a purpose. And I hope that we will continue to do that in the future. So as we, as we prepare to just pray and let the Lord speak to us in this last song, would you pray with me this morning that, that not just today, but in the days ahead, that we would be a church community and a people that would, as we are going, as we are journeying, that we would take notice of those around us, lean in and root ourselves in the lives of those around us, and extend compassion and mercy to those near us. And in this way, obeying the greatest command that Jesus has given you and I. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you hear our hearts this morning. And you see this, this challenging time that we are in where the church is having to kind of rediscover what our purpose is and how we live that purpose out in this place. And so, God, I just pray that as we continue to wrestle with this idea of, of just being faithfully present in the lives of those around us, would you help us with this? Would you help us both as a faith community and individually to be faithfully and wholly present in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our local context? Would you help us to truly see other people and be available and, and help us to be people who extend mercy and compassion on those near us. Lord, we let you lead the way. Continue to guide and direct us and move in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing this hymn with us this morning. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, To his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no to trust and obey not a shadow can rise not a cloud in the skies but his smile quickly drives it away not a doubt nor a fear not a sign nor a tear can abide
we will go. Amen? That's our prayer and that's our hope this morning. Well, before I let you go, before I let you out on your journey and and as you go, I just want to remind you of a few things that are happening. There's actually a lot that's happening right now. There's a lot going on in the life of the church and, and we've got all these things planned and scheduled, but we're also um, you know, reminding ourselves that, that every day is unpredictable and we're just trying to be aware um, that we may have to, you know, pull, pull back on some things at some time, just depending on what happens because we just want to be faithful and caring for our neighbor and protecting them and, and keeping everyone healthy. So just keep, just know that you think that's a lot going on, but we are being, we're trying to be very aware uh, and faithful to you know, what, we're, what we should be doing. So with that in mind, um, we are planning on launching life groups, all the life groups that are going to be held in the church. We plan to start that next month in September. And so this is really important. Uh, if you're planning to sign up for a life group, we don't necessarily have to have that commitment today. But if you are planning on hosting or if you're interested in hosting a life group or you're interested in leading a life group, we need to know uh, today if you're interested in that because we are trying to complete pile all the life groups that are going to be held, and that way next week we can kind of share that information with the whole church and so that you can know which life groups are available to you. So there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Uh, Please let us know if if you're interested in one of those two for sure, hosting or leading, uh, so that we can kind of get all that information going, Um, okay? So Saturday morning, uh, August 21st, that's next Saturday, I believe, is going to be a men's breakfast uh, at 8 a.m., so bright and early. Go to bed early Saturday or Friday night, and, and that's all I can tell you to do, okay? Uh, relaunching the Lunch Bunch, that's going to start August 25th at noon, and that's going to be at Eckert's. So the first lunch that's back will be at Eckert's. And then just something a little bit different to try to mix it up and help me to connect with people that I don't normally have a chance to connect with. Um, we'll be having coffee with Pastor Nicole on August 23rd and 31st. And you can find the times and the places out in the foyer. There's a, a sheet up there that gives you all that information. Just looking forward to fellowshipping with some of you guys that are able to make that. And also just to remind you, it's not too late to sign up for lay retreat. I think Dan told me this morning that we have six people signed up to go. Uh, So the early bird registration is closed, and that's kind of gone, but you can still sign up to go and just know that you wouldn't be going alone, that you've got six uh, church family members that are going to be attending, and that will be a great time for everyone. All right? Well, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior. And as you go, draw near to those around you and extend mercy and compassion to your neighbors. You are dismissed. Have a great week.